Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjoe Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjoe Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic is Steps to Making Data Your Greatest Asset. What do I mean by that? So as your organization is trying to unlock some data-driven capabilities, enterprise-wide analytics, and even trying to scale all possible ways you use and exploit data to your advantage on multiple dimensions. But then as you are trying to do it, what are the challenges that you face? People have reported issues with the data architecture, the IT architecture, Some people are going and using artificial intelligence or at least attempting to do that. That's an issue. There are some uh, various dimensions in which AI can be exploited, but then is it being done the right way? Then, of course, you have people and process alignment issues. And finally, if you have data, you have to have data governance. But is that set up the way it's supposed to be? And is it changing to accommodate whatever changes that are coming in terms of data management? With that said... We have to have a good strategy around it, good execution plan, and make sure that we uh, improvise as we go along with things happening in the business landscape. To discuss this, we have Jaime Montemayor, who is the Chief Digital and Technology Officer with General Mills. Hey, Jaime, how are you? Pretty good, Sanjog. How about you? Very good, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. And we have Carl Hightower, who's the Chief Data Officer with Novant Health. Hey, Carl, how's life? Uh, going well, going well. How is yours? I could not complain here. It's it's a Friday afternoon. Yeah, it's it's lovely here. Thank you so much. So let's, let's start with uh, my first question. And this is for you, Jaime. As you look at uh, your organization, and of course, you talk to your peers, What do you see as the top challenges that prevent companies from totally exploiting data to the nth degree and also from using analytics, data analytics enterprise-wide, scaling it to a point where it is maximizing potential of the data? Well, Sanjog, you know, the most important uh, first step is to have clarity in your mission you know, understanding what is the opportunity that you're pursuing or the problem that, that you're trying to solve. If you don't have clarity, the rest of the steps to get there uh, get very complicated and could be difficult to execute. Once you have clarity, then you have to get the buy-in of the organization in terms of, you know, what it takes to get there. Uh, secure the support of senior management, secure the support of your technology organization. And then with that, then you can focus on solving for the problem. How do you solve for the problem? Uh, Obviously, you have to have a good technical foundation. Uh, You have to have tools. But the most important ingredient is talent. You have to make sure that you have the right talent uh, to be able to deliver uh, the transformation. So again, just to close on your question, you know, having clarity on the mission, making sure that you that you harness the right support for it and then building the right foundation, technology, 
data, and talent. So your response almost comes across as a solution you're offering, you know, the, the nuggets that you could someone could take away. But I'm sure people may have tried to do it, but there is something which is preventing them from getting to that absolute nirvana state of maturity and outcome. And those are the challenges. It would be great based on your experience and your 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 uh, discussions within the company and outside. What do you see as the top challenges which prevent people from doing so what you suggested? Well, first, you know, the, the first challenge is not spending enough time understanding the opportunity. You know, I've seen that often, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the organizations don't spend time uh, defining, you know, the right uh, areas of opportunity. Second, um, it's very common uh, that organizations um, don't have clear metrics on how to, how to measure progress in, in their investments in, in this space. Uh, they often uh, either don't define the metrics or don't have the data to, to be able to define those metrics. And then what I see most organizations uh, uh, having difficulty is in the mobilization of the effort, ensuring that you know, we properly resource the effort with the right talent, as I mentioned before, ensuring that we invest in the right uh, you know, technical foundation and ensuring that we have clean, and clean uh, data, data fit for purpose as we talk about it in our business. You don't have data fit for purpose is is very unlikely that you will be able to succeed. Carl, when you look at your organization and your industry, data is king, right? Being almost a services industry. In fact, you are a service industry and a lot of things that you do. Yes, there is a physical touch and feel aspect to the healthcare, but there is a lot more also which is riding on data. So the same question, if you had to answer, how would you answer any differently or more than what uh, Jaime mentioned here as the top challenges? So, so I, I've been in healthcare for almost four years, and I've been in a lot of other industries. And I think Jaime put it well on some of the things that you really need to focus on. I would say one of the things that prevents any organization from really taking advantage of data and using it as a as a driver going forward, it, it's not just the things that Jaime mentioned, but you're going to hit a limit on the talent that you have, their ability to understand what they see. So it comes down to not just being able to get the right data, get the right metrics, but it comes into being able to tell a story, being able to see it and go, ah, I know what operational things we need to do, and I know how to leverage and use it. So there's really kind of that point where you'll hit um, that ceiling of people's ability to not just know the metrics, the data, and so forth, but it really comes into telling that next story. Here is what we're going to do operationally. You see it in some other things. If you get into uh, investments, an analyst really is giving you a story on it. They're not just giving you spreadsheets. So what you're really looking for as you start to get your talent moving is, are my analysts able to look at what they see and tell a story and communicate it so that people don't have to sift through dashboards, reports, or Excel, people really at the end of the day just want to know, okay, so what do we need to do next? And that I think is the biggest challenge in preventing companies from becoming truly data-driven. And that is understanding that next step of what we're supposed to do with what we see. So what you mentioned is a downstream function of, okay, if you don't apply the proper 
filters in or do the reporting right, how would you know what is the actionable intelligence that you even have available or you can even produce? So I totally get that. Jaime, coming back to you, let's talk upstream a little bit. A lot of people, when they are trying to tackle data, and especially let's talk the user base, they would love to own it. They are very territorial in many cases, but they don't want to take the responsibility of making sure that data is created well and maintained well so that when the people who need to churn that data to produce reports, when they ask for it, they cannot guarantee whether data is going to be in the right form. And that's why this huge swamp gets created. How do we tackle that? What Carl mentioned to achieve that, you got to do some cleanup or a fundamental shift so that the number or amount of dirty work we end up doing in cleaning up data, that gets minimized in the first place because that's a waste of money. Yeah, I mean, I just I just mentioned in my previous comment, you know, to, to have data fit for purpose for any analytical process, you need to make sure that that data is, is clean and it's also properly structured to be able to be ex- exploited. So we, in, in our case, uh, we have put a lot of emphasis on creating a first, an organization that owns all data in the company. Uh, and this organization is the steward of data for, for General Mills. We have also uh, in made, made investments in creating the right data governance uh, processes and mechanisms. We're also investing in uh, increasingly investing in automation to ensure that as we acquire the data, as we bring data into our, into our environment, that we can clean it and we can um, structure it the right way so that it can be exploited by reports or dashboards or uh, advanced uh, analytical uh, uh, algorithms. So again, uh, what's really, really important is to make sure that you ensure the data is clean, the data is properly governed in terms of how it is acquired, protected and shared across organization, and then finally, that um, data is properly architected so that it can be utilized in multiple uh, ways across the company. Carl, when you, you know, as you listen to response uh, to my question, how the way Jaime responded, how much of it this is, you know, uh, walk in the park versus uh, hair pulling exercise to get that clean data and help make sure that it is clean all the time? Is it is it that straightforward? Uh, I would say no. Uh, it's it's hard. So it depends on the industry if you go into. So one, um, you want to make decisions off of as clean a data as possible. But if you look at certain um, industries in certain areas, um, healthcare, for instance, there's a tremendous amount of manual data entry. Um, that manual data entry, I would I would like to have my clinicians and nurses and staff focus on their job. Um, It's very hard for them to enter things um, perfectly clean or exactly in the formats that you need. So it goes into what are the processes behind the scenes. Um, Being able to have a level of process behind there to clean it as best as possible and make it usable is what you strive for. Um, And like Jaime, I have responsibility for making sure all of that is as clean as possible, um, no matter what it is. So how do I take that and put it into the application team's hands for them to understand? 
So really showing kind of, hey, can you leverage a service to clean the information so that it's as um, clean as possible for the workflows that people are trying to execute to. And that's, that's one of the challenges with an application team and application owners is really expressing to them and showing to them that value up front and how can we work and partner together to make it easy for people to do their job. Um, systems create data, um, systems leverage and use it, but at the end of the day, it's a person who's there with it. And, and, and the end goal is to make it as usable as possible for that person. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. Jaime, when we come back, I want to build upon what Carl just mentioned about what it takes. But then if it was same old, same old business as usual all along, then yes, you can stabilize. Guess what? You got to change the tires of a moving car. That means the data sources could change the velocity and the volume could change at any time. And you cannot have an infinite capacity either. So how do you upstream level at the upstream level in terms of where the data is coming, how it's getting generated and how it is getting cleaned? How do you build that capacity, which not only just brings it and get it done timely, but also the outcome of that is really clean data based on some benchmark that you establish, which you simply cannot break. And only then it's passed along to the downstream. How do you make it all happen? We'll talk about that. Please stay tuned listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, I mean, when things are stable, business same old, you could expect, you could stabilize uh, the way the data gets created, the way it gets processed and cleaned up, et cetera. But in today's day and age, both structured and unstructured data is coming from all directions at different speeds and sometimes unpredictably. How do you bring some method to this madness to mature your upstream function that it can tackle things and still give a reliable result to the downstream? Sanjo, uh, I, th- I think this problem that you're describing is perhaps one of the hardest problems to, to deal with in this day and age. Because as you said, the amount of data that we need to uh, create and process on a daily basis is increasing exponentially for any business. In our case, we have put a lot of emphasis in uh, first identifying the data sources that are most critical for us in our business. And for those data sources, and data elements, you know, we have we have implemented, you know, very stringent processes to, you know, ingest the data, clean the data, structure the data for analytical purposes or reporting or whatever uh, that that could be. 
There are other uh, sources of data or other data entities that are not as critical for us in our business. We, we are still investing in automation to make sure that we can bring them into our environment and use them for different analytical purposes. Uh, but we're not putting as, as, as stringent of a process uh, around them uh, just because they're very dynamic and, and hard to, hard to uh, clean up on an ongoing basis. Um, the last thing that uh, uh, we are doing uh, that is very critical as well for us is that uh, we need, we're investing uh, time to try and understand how is the data being used by our analytical models, especially in moments like the ones we're living right now. For instance, I'll give you an example. You know, uh, all the analytical uh, 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 capabilities that we have in the company do not have uh, um, the benefit of using data that has um, uh, the type of disruption that is that we are living right now in our supply chain, for instance. We've never experienced a type of disruption in procurement, distribution, logistics. So our data doesn't have that rich, uh, uh, that richness that is required for our algorithms to be more precise. So we, we have figure out methods to uh, identify where distortions don't make sense and we're augmenting decisions made by our uh, analytical uh, capabilities. So again, in this day and age, this is perhaps the area where um, we're going to struggle the most uh, moving forward. So I, if I understood you correctly, you said you purposely don't make it very stringent in terms of how you're going to process data and and, and that's almost like allowing some quality degradation so that you can stay above water. Am I correct exactly. in understanding your statement? Exactly. exactly. Because keeping the business going is more important than perfection. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. And, and I, I totally subscribe to that uh, model. Now, question is, how do you determine how much slack can we cut in terms of data quality? Because at the same time, when a downstream function person takes a decision, based on some data and that goes off and it causes an issue, somebody could get fired also. So how do you prevent that? And how do you take a joint responsibility, including them to say, hey, Mr. Management, we will do the best we can. And there could be some deviation from the exact precise science. So you understand, by the the way, give me $10 million to do this. Do you think anyone wants to give you $10 million to do in their eyes, substandard jobs, or even the CEO is okay to bless this? No, absolutely. I mean, there is some data that you can never compromise on. Master data is a great example. You know, shipping, shipping product to the wrong location is not acceptable. And so there in those types of uh, business processes and those types of data entities, we expect perfection. We expect com- ex- expect complete, de- complete and clean data. There are other processes like how much to ship, you know, how, you know, what, what is the right mix or what products can we substitute in an order uh, based on availability of inventory or certain raw materials. We can live with some disruption there. Um, and, you know, we're on an ongoing basis, we're monitoring that because we obviously don't want the disruption to be to get to the point of affecting our, our, our business throughput. 
So we monitor that on an ongoing basis and we make decisions, as I said, to uh, augment some of our uh, decisions that are coming from our, from our AI ML-based uh, algorithms. Carl, when you look at your domain, which is healthcare, what would you say would be the mix where you would allow no uh, you know, deltas or deviations from being precise and where you can cut some slack and everybody agrees to it? Depends on who you ask. Everyone wants perfection, especially in, in those areas. Um, as we look at it, you look at your most important assets, and I think Jaime put it well, you look at your critical assets. Um, I look at timing of when data assets are needed as well. I want to know who the person is, the patient. Obviously, that's something that you have to have highly accurate because you don't want to be giving the wrong medication to the wrong person or the wrong treatments to the wrong person. So you look within those flows and those use cases that exist and go, okay, where is a mistake? Absolutely something that cannot be tolerated. And you start to work from those flows and figure out how um, to make that possible. One of the ways of buffering and insulating, um, you know, that is to look at it, not just from an analytics perspective, but very much data quality. How can I push this upstream? How can I make it so that the applications and the people that are using information um, are insulated from bad data? I don't want just an data entry system and then downstream to have the quality cleaned up later. It's got to be where they're doing uh, their work. And that has to be taken into account. So how do I make master data operational? And that's really what we've pushed for. So you start to look at that level throughout the company. Um, you're asking where I go for areas of slack. Well, I'm not keeping financials real time. Uh, you know, I mean, you say you look at this and you go, okay, where's our true up? There's a cycle to get there over time. Um, you start to look at other areas that really aren't critical um, to the mission and, and the values within how we operate. And that's, that I think is where you have to focus because otherwise you'll drive yourself mad. There's just so much data and so much information um, from a master perspective and also from a reference data perspective. There are over 600,000 ICD codes. So, I mean, you start to look at all the things that you're going on. I mean, there's just such a volume of data and you have to make sure that you're uh, focusing on those absolute pertinent areas first. So I mean, data is critical, of course, and that's why we are allowed to invest in it, et cetera. But then given many times these data projects could go forever, I mean, not literally, mm -hmm. however, it could take a long time. And the ROI is not evident because it's almost like you are shaking up and or rebuilding the foundation because that's what's going to have an impact on any other decision-making abilities. So it's an ongoing thing and it almost it kind of never ends. How do you keep everyone's motivated, not just your data team, but your uh, business folks to say, keep funding it for me to keep giving you results? How does that all come together? Well, first, um, you know, you have to acknowledge that data is not just an operational necessity, but it's an asset. And that is, to me, the beginning of, you know, keeping people engaged and, 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 and just committed uh, to leveraging this asset that now we have in our hands to continue uh, delivering business value. 
then I think you need to make sure in, in any data transformation program to have a good combination of short, you know, projects or, 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 or pods or activities that will deliver short-term results with other uh, pods or activities that will build or deliver uh, longer-term results. You have to have that combination. If you don't have that combination, it's very hard to sustain these programs uh, on an ongoing basis. You know, in our case, for instance, um, you know, we have stood up a digital factory and we have an active pipeline of use cases that we are focusing on across uh, multiple uh, functional areas in the company. And if you look at the pipeline of use cases, you will see a good combination of uh, you know, initiatives where we know we're gonna go and get results like on revenue management or uh, sourcing. You know, we have specific areas where we know we're gonna get immediate results. And then we have other areas, maybe related to consumer or supply chain or innovation, where we are, you know, actively learning and figuring out a way for us to um, build a build a database um, and build a knowledge base that allows us to to you know inform a future stage of development for continued innovation. Carl, being the chief data officer, besides getting the million dollar paycheck. What else would be the ideal scenario in terms of resources made available to you so that your work gets done in the absolute best way possible? Let's first define that as a baseline. And secondly, where is the delta? Why some of your uh, wishes as a chief data officer or anyone for that matter in your role doesn't come true? And they, which which basically undermines the outcomes you could otherwise deliver. So interesting on the paycheck. That's always that's always <laughs> entertaining. Um, you look at the challenges. I look at so why haven't we um, implemented everything at time where we need to be? And it goes to there's just a finite amount of resources. There's a finite amount of change that people can take on. Um, I look at healthcare um, compared to some of the other industries I've been in. And this one just has so many um, avenues and so many channels to focus on simultaneously. Um, you look at all the different specialties from orthopedics to oncology, to cardiovascular, to primary care, everything. I mean, and everybody has their own roadmap. So it's all related to a patient, but there's so many different ways of going this. Um, you start to get into, hey, just give me your top three. Everybody's got, if they do that, I'm over 100 hundred different priorities that everybody wants to focus on of how to use and leverage data. So that for a company is just, um, it's hard to take on financially, but you also start to get into meshing all of that information and data together. That's, that's almost an impossible challenge. So you really have to focus on what gets the biggest bang for the buck as you start to work with the different groups and it gets in the common threads. How am I moving the ball forward and how am I painting this picture you know, with the paintball gun quickly um, in order to get it filled out. And that's, that is the biggest challenge um, is the level of complexity and just keeping it going within this painting that you're trying to get to. That also leads to the other side of this, patience. Not everyone has patience. Um, and it gets into, well, I want to do my stuff now and I don't want to wait. And that leads to how do you help work with those teams so that they're not going out on their own 
and building products without the necessary backing of a platform. And that's really where we distinguish my teams is services, products, and platforms. That platform is critical and key for people to build the right product sets off of. So when you're trying to build a product that brings quality and value to the business areas that you're um, working in, it has to be built off of a solid platform. Ad hocing a platform is what really undermines a lot of those um, more complete visions for data. So your response would convince me because I am perhaps come from that background to understand it. How do you position this to a management person who says, show me the money or show me the results or show me the growth? Well, how does your vocabulary change there? So this is where you start to look at uh, business areas and functions that you're hitting. You're looking at return on investment. So for healthcare, you're looking at revenue cycle management, um, being able to cut out time and just overall churn. So you're reducing the cost, you're increasing the ability to one, connect the right codes, the right people and the right payers um, instantly. That's a data quality thing. Being able to do claims management. So claims um, just come in these giant files compared to EDI, not always very clean and consistent. So being able to manage that so people um, aren't losing what's going on in that information exchange. Those efficiencies, um, really drive, I would say, hard value. I mean, you can see that pretty quickly on just improvement. But you you really have to focus on outcomes for each of these use cases. So when I Harry Potter this into existence, what are you going to do? What's improved about your life? And how are we going to show that this made the difference on what we drive out? And it really has to be focused on, we're going to make it happen no matter what. What does this do for you and overall the company? And that end result, we start to tie and we go into that's how we're going to measure this effectively as we go forward. So Jaime, in your world, since you, uh, you know, lead the pack and you also have your chief data officer working with you, how do you structure this? You, you say, let's sit down, brainstorm, come up with a scope and you do your thing and here is a pot of money or there is a negotiation needed. What would you expect your CDO to do, chief data officer to do, so that you can go to Hawaii and you don't have to worry about the data side of things? Yeah, very good question. Um, let me start just building on the comment that Carl just made about the important, how important metrics are. And, and then I'll, I'll come back to the point that, uh, that you just made. Um, in our case, you know, we are focusing on two types of metrics, what we call uh, outcome metrics and progress metrics. And both are extremely important. Outcome metrics are very hard, are clear, tangible metrics, you know, of business benefit or, or you know, if you're either growing the business, improving the top, the bottom line, or delivering a clear metric. Progress metrics nowadays are becoming uh, increasingly important as you deploy new digital properties. For instance, when we deploy a new app to a user, uh, the user, uh, user uh, signups, you know, may not result in more sales, but they may result in, in, in an engagement level that we are looking for with the eventual realization in sales in the future. So why am I saying uh, that this is because I think, as I come back to, my, to the, your question on the data, uh, on my data officer and what do I ask him to focus on, 
as he puts together the pipeline of initiatives, we need to make sure that we have a good combination of, of uh, use cases and initiatives that deliver strong outcome metrics, but also progress metrics on those metrics that are clear for our future, are strategic for our future. Um, Carl also talked about the need for us to have a strong foundation. In our case, we have made a decision to migrate our technical platforms from non-prem environment to the cloud. And that cloud migration, you know, is gonna be a big enabler for us to eventually down the road, not only rely on our own data, but be able to bring in new data sources as the, as the economy continues to uh, get digitized and, and new and more inno innovative data sources uh, uh, appear that we can in introduce into our into our advanced algorithms. So, uh, Carl, when you are looking at all uh, the work that is coming to you, and you're supposed to juggle, you would have your team listen to you, and I'm sure you can influence to some degree your business unit leaders. But if I understand historically the end business user or that end customer who's responsible for generating the data, they're usually, you know, un untamable, if you will, in many cases. And that's where a lot of things, a lot of pain that could occur. So do you think you have to, once you set up your downstream function, where should a CDO or a, this, this data function suspend their energy? where the data is generated and, and, and basically put more of their energies where the data is generated. So you, in a way, solve the problem before it happens. Is that what you would recommend as the strategy for any organization? Perfect segue. I love this. Um, so one of the things that you struggle with um, when you're getting into all of these different touch points is questions, tickets, things like this, just the little paper cuts that you have over, well, what is it? I want to see this. If you start to look at that, it can become overwhelming. So part of the philosophy of that is, do you move out to the edge? So do you start to put experts elbow to elbow, or in our case, health informatists? So people who know the clinical space very well, and they know the information that people are going to want to see and how to get it. So it saves some time on training. It helps answer questions quickly. It keeps them from answering tickets. And what it does is it ends up saving your teams a lot of information coming back for onesies, twosies, all of these things. And that allows the teams to start to shift the focus. So, I mean, this is more of a journey on it and it depends on the industry too. But you get into where we have a lot of end users, in our case, about 20,000, who are going to want this information that philosophy shift takes it from being more of a service desk answer type thing to now we're, we're cutting off that and answering questions at time. So people are becoming more savvy. We're getting rid of all of the, what I would say, the 60% of just tickets from their workday and getting them focused on longer term things. And we're really starting to get a um, more organizational focus on how to use the data at time. And I think that type of a shift, depending upon the industry, is really helpful for freeing up workload on a better product overall. So Jaime, I'll come back to you on your own staff within the data department. You know, everyone, when somebody comes, they while they might be energized by the mission, but they're still thinking, 
what's in it for me? What is it that an organization can do for the people who are in the trenches in terms of looking at data, massaging it, cleaning it up, trying to do analysis on it, for them to do the absolute best job they could do for the the intended outcome? Because you're still dealing with humans. I know AI has come into play, which can do massaging, but the people will still remain part of the equation, I hope given that last I checked, we are still humans. Absolutely. We, we need personnel, highly capable, highly uh, prepared uh, personnel to get the job done. Um, you know, in our case, you know, we focus on, there are, there are two types of, of, of resources that are very critical uh, to this transformation. First one are, you know, what we call um, data engineers, you know, people that can help you acquire the data, and engineer it, architect it uh, to be uh, to be leveraged by analytical models. Then you have the data scientists, and those are the ones that are building the models and working very closely with the business, understanding, uh, working with the business in understanding different ways in which data can be leveraged. But we should not forget that we should also um, improve the data literacy of all the people, all the users that uh, want to consume that that data. So again, in our case, uh, the focus is mean making sure that the data engineers and, and data scientists have the right tools at their disposal. They are properly skilled. In some cases, we have to upskill or reskill uh, individuals as technology continues to evolve. But we also make an emphasis on the data literacy for all the users and management teams uh, that uh, need to leverage these capabilities that we're building on top of our data assets. So what you said definitely covers from a skills competency and even the end user. Now think about the people who are the actual folks, as you said, data scientists, et cetera. What would you do to trigger or kindle their intrinsic motivation and not say that if you do this data project, I'll send you to in a movie and, and, and whatever dinner. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, data scientists and, and data engineers in general are, are, are technical by nature. So well, to keep them motivated, you have to provide them with the right tools and, and capabilities. I think that is a critical element. The second is you need to get them close to how their, how their job, you know, has a real impact in their business. And, I, and therein lies an opportunity that we all have to make sure that every person and every team that participates in the creation of these new uh, uh, data assets or, or data-related assets, that they understand the why are we doing it and the business impact that uh, their work has, uh, you know, for the organization. And so I think those are critical elements. We should also in- invest in ways of working. You know, nowadays, you know, Agile is a must-have capability in any organization and that's another aspect uh, of investment where I think we need to we need to continue as a, as as, a, as you know as we continue evolving our understanding of of, of this space to continue expanding uh, the the use of agile uh, ways of working. So, Carl, I will take the other side of the coin for what uh, Jaime mentioned, which is you know help them motivate so that they can work the best. But how do you give your these people, the data people, if you will? the breathing room, the time to think, and, and 
to to give them the stamina or or whatever i'll come back to that breathing rooms so that they can continue on this journey because it doesn't look like it's getting less in terms of volume and variety and the pressure is getting not getting any less so you cannot afford to have a burnout where they start doing substandard job not that because they want to because they are humans yeah, that that's actually a really pertinent and timely question given we've gone through the last 2 years of covid and the pressure that is put on health systems um you look at everyone trying to find answers now so you're rushing everybody's trying to get through it as fast as you can and it's very hard to buffer that because you're looking at that qual i mean you're looking at a time sacrifice on things that are complex and that is a that's a hard one to buffer um you've got to look at automating as much stuff as you can this is one of the ones where as you look at your data processes it comes into i i don't need heroes i i i get it there'll be time for that but it can't be based off of a person it can't be a hero it can't be one person it's got to be very process and automated driven as much as possible by getting to that point it allows for taking out those things that just burn every minute and kind of seem repetitive and wear you down and then it starts to free up areas for thinking now what you hope is that you don't have so many thinking projects that it kind of just that gets too much for people to focus on that that is a resource management and just being able to articulate pipelines across the board but automation you've got to take advantage of it you've got to get rid of the basics of the blocking and the tackling you can't have your people sitting there doing all the things that should be automated in a modern data world the hard part with agile and i do agree with with Jaime on this one is agile uh-huh but you also need to make sure that your finance and your cfo thinks agile they're funding agile because that's a pipeline that is a very different thing it's not just the delivery of two weeks we get something out we're continuing to iterate iteration is different than agile agile becomes a philosophy of everyone's invested in getting those pipelines out the door and that that takes an amount of time to make sure that everyone's there on the same page you mentioned about the cfo getting on board so are you saying that from a money standpoint as long as the money keeps flowing and your people are given the breathing room the time to think and your business unit leaders etc are cooperating life is good yeah well so okay sure but you have to fund you have to fund like it's agile so you have to fund consistently year over year on a pipeline basis it can't be based off of like project mentality so i fund for a project as a beginning and an end and and i want that set of work if i'm funding in an agile methodology i think pipeline i think longer term and it's churning out products that have value and i'm consistent and i'm consistently showing that value over time that is a different funding model than just having that project those capital projects the big ones that come to go boom done next one they're different models entirely of funding and also security of making sure that those teams know that we're delivering good things and it's going to keep coming hi me how have you tackled like i think carl mentioned a number of things right he spoke about the agile he spoke about security and you've also mentioned but these are not entirely disconnected pieces but it's very easy for you to lose the sync among them how do you prevent it's, that yeah well you have to have a well orchestrated plan to tackle that no and and i think that it, 
that is, you know, what uh, will differentiate, uh, you know, execution in, in the marketplace. If you can put a plan together that can bring it all together. As Carl said, you know, you have to have a, a, an investment portfolio mentality, you know, from a funding perspective. You know, there are some, some uh, AAA bonds that you're going to have there, some AA bonds and some, you know, money market, you know, that you're going to have to invest. So you have to have a good balanced portfolio of initiatives. You have to have, um, you know, a, a well-orchestrated, you know, uh, art enterprise architecture plan to be able to invest in technology. You have to adopt Agile as, as an approach. You have to invest in a technology foundation. So it's all these elements. You know, in our case, we have five. It's, it's the cloud. Is the agile ways of working? Is the talent? Is the operating model? Okay, and then it's the tools on top of that. So you bring it all together, and that that makes it a cohesive, you know, uh, platform to build upon. When it comes to the leadership side of things, right? So leaders means, of course, uh, Jaime. In your case. You are the overarching boss where you would have security leaders, others working with you and data leaders as well. And Carl, at your end, you got your counterparts, which could be your IT. And then you could also have your business counterparts on the clinical side and other operations side. They don't have anything directly in terms of responsibility, the way their own performance appraisal goes. But we are expecting them to step up. Is there a fundamental shift that is required or is being done as we speak so that everyone takes a joint responsibility and cohesively support the data leaders so that they can go about showing results and not just be tired warriors? Carl, what do you think? Yeah, so I think it it really comes into working one-on-one to show the value that data information um, properly utilized helps further their job, their performance, and the overall company mission. Um, By working with them together, what you're hoping is that you get a plan and a program for each one of them to step into. Um, When you say tying of goals, we do try and tie goals as much as possible into those processes. So it's it's not something that um, we just do independently for the sake of having fun. Um, We're trying to have a better outcome overall as a system. So I don't do what I do um, just for entertainment and technology sake. I mean, this is to provide better care overall for the community and the patients. So how do we best leverage our skills working with the different places um, and people inside of the organization in order to leverage our talents, our team's talents and their talents to optimize that goal and mission. So we really have to be thoughtful of how we tie that together. Um, and that that just takes time of working with people to get them to understand. Um, and it is a continual um, journey of making sure that they see value and they are getting value out of it. And Jaime, when you look at the leadership essence of what is required for an organization to building this data as our greatest asset, what would be those leadership attributes? Um, well, uh, I think, you know, trust is extremely important. You know, uh, I think it, it, to me, trust is the foundation that, you know, will bring two leaders, technology and business together. Uh, 
second, um, I mean, a, a common mission, you know, uh, and as we just talked in the beginning of this, of this podcast, not understanding, not having clarity on the mission, on the why are we doing this and what are we pursuing is usually, uh, you know, a, a problem. You know, if you don't have that, uh, that there's just no way you're going to be able to develop a, a, a trustworthy relationship with your partner. And so, again, and then finally, um, Carl mentioned something uh, that I that uh, that is I, I think is extremely important. That um, as you get into this journey, you know, there's going to be a combination of activities that you're going or or projects or initiatives that you're going to put together. Um, in, you need to be ready to pivot, you know, and and shift as as you go, because not every one of those initiatives will yield benefits in the short term or will yield as much as you had expected. So you got to be ready to pivot. You got to be ready to, to, to flex as you go so that you can build the, the proper momentum to enable this data-driven transformation. One last question for you, Carl. You're our chief data officer and there are many others who are looking to up their game when it comes to building data as their greatest asset. What would you say one thing that they should do and another thing they shouldn't do as chief data officers to get them to where they want to be? So I've had a very unique experience in my career of being in business strategy, being in application development, mobile development, all the different areas of it. And I think that allows for being able to see benefit of data outside of reporting and analytics. Don't just focus on reports and analytics. When you're looking at data, you've got to move to much more of what I would say is the at-time usage. Data is fundamental to almost every company and every digital journey as we go forward. It's a very mobile web world, and you've got to understand how data fits and is utilized within every single aspect of that. I know Jaime mentioned logistics. Um, things from Amazon just don't miracle themselves on your front porch. There's a tremendous amount of data and information behind that. And I think understanding that will really help people go from uh, the older traditional chief data officer of governance, setting up my warehouse, getting this, to really let being the um, person who brings that data utility to the overall enterprise. So once again, thank you so much, Jaime and Carl, for sharing your insights about steps to making data your greatest asset. Thanks so much. Thank you, Sanjo. Thank you, Sanjo. All right. So uh, listeners, please connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast. Once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is your Sanjo, your host, Sanjo, all signing off. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.